Hey, Airbnb hosts, Natalie here. You already hear me every Wednesday on No Vacancy, the podcast, but I've decided to add a bonus episode at the last Friday of every month called Airbnb Advice Column. Every month, I'll ask you to submit your questions, pick three to five that I think most of you could benefit from, and those will go in here. So sit back, enjoy this monthly bonus episode, and thank you for writing in your questions to Airbnb Advice Column, XOXO, Natalie. Before we jump into today's episode, who remembers episode 40 with realtor Tyler Kuhn of Savvy Realty in the North Carolina market? We talked about how to find the perfect market for your short-term rental. And we also talked about why it's important to work with realtors who understand the short-term rental industry and are co-hosts and hosts themselves when you're making your STR purchase. This team knows what it takes to turn a simple property purchase into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. So if you are just trying to flip a house, rent out your home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty is the team to help you do it. Tyler and the team are going to look at more than just the specs of the home and number of bedrooms and bathrooms, but is this a property that is likely to get booked by guests? How's it going to do? How are reviews going to be? What's the regulation about short-term rentals in the area? Is there an HOA or CCNRs to look out for? Truly, with a purchase this big, you just want to make sure that you have the experts there holding your hand along the way. Follow the link in the show notes to book a call with a Savvy Realty agent today so that you know your next STR purchase is backed by a realtor who is a host themselves and knows what to look for. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday and welcome back to an Airbnb advice column episode. I have five questions lined up today and you guys asked phenomenal questions this time around. So uh, even though it's only five questions, it may be a slightly longer episode because I feel like I have a lot to say about all of these. So let's just jump right in. First question comes from Serena. She said, help, I've been feeling so burnt out doing all the things, adding all the amenities and still getting picky guests leaving four-star reviews. I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I'm thinking of quitting. Uh, this question breaks my heart and I've absolutely been there. Serena, You were asking this at the perfect time because I think that my last two episodes will be extremely helpful for you. Episode 53, What Netflix's $3 billion Loss Just Taught Me. If you haven't listened to that one, please go back and listen. I think it's a great pep talk, I guess you could call it, on how to avoid burnout, at least how I avoid burnout. Uh, I think that the biggest thing, you say that you've been doing all of the things, adding all of the amenities, and you're still getting picky guests leaving four-star reviews. If you go listen to that episode, you will hear, I don't want to rehash it all because there's already a whole episode dedicated to this, but if you go listen, you're going to hear my thoughts on, I don't really believe that adding all the amenities is the best strategy right now. I know that's what people are talking about, but I am seeing it lead to burnout over and over, and it makes it so much harder to manage all the different things that you have going on in your property. And I am of the belief that if you do fewer things but do them better, you will get better reviews, you'll be speaking to your ideal client so much better, and you'll be able to manage repairs easier, cleanliness, communication on the different things that you have rather than putting everything that you can in your property. So please go listen to that episode. The other one I want to reference is episode 54, which just came out this week with Ryan Bakey. And he talks about how he is a completely passive investor. He does not operate any of the short-term rentals that he's doing. He just gives the money and sits on the sidelines collecting in 
the interest getting paid back to him. So I think if you really are feeling burnt out, maybe you're in a position where you have this property, you're not loving doing it anymore. Maybe, I don't know, just maybe you could consider selling this one and taking that money and pouring it into some passive investments. The returns will not be as much as when you are self-managing and doing everything yourself. But if the other option is quitting and just deciding to throw it all in and be done, maybe it's worth considering being a passive investor instead. Operating is a lot of work and it is not for everybody. And that's why I'm really glad Ryan came on this week to do this episode. So go back and listen to episodes 53 and 54. 53 will give you a new perspective on making it easier to manage your listing. And 54 will give you a new perspective on maybe just selling it all and becoming a passive investor. I think either way, that will help you out. So perfect timing on this question. My two most recent episodes are there to help you out with this one. Good luck, Serena. Next question comes from Phil. I know you always talk about niching down, but I am worried that going too strong in a niche will affect possible resale value. What a great question. I'm going to shout out one of my friends right now, Julie, who is an esthetician. I should really have her on the podcast. She is an esthetician. She has her own skincare line, and she has an Airbnb in Palm Springs that she did as an entire spa-themed experience because that's what she's passionate about. She has her own spa. She wanted to kind of create a spa-themed experience, and so one of the entire rooms in her property is a red light therapy room. She has this whole wall that's lined with different vanity chairs, so you can do all of your skincare there, just a whole wall with different vanity setups and all the mirrors and stuff. In her property, she provides her skincare line, complimentary for all guests. Uh, that property, if you want to go look it up on Instagram, is the Light Lounge Airbnb. I will link it in the show notes. And I mean, if you go through and look at the pictures, you'll see she is pretty committed to the spa-like experience here to the point where, Phil, I think your question becomes relevant. I always talk about niching down, but I'm worried that going too strong in a niche will affect possible resale value. If you go look at her property, she is just on the edge where I think that you could argue, did she go too far and is it going to affect possible resale value? I think it was worth it and she made the right call. And clients, potential guests who like skincare and like spa experiences are going to see her place and book it without giving it a second thought. Another example I want to bring up here is Mike Shogren, one of the co-founders of STR Wealth Conference and co-host of the STR Secrets podcast. If you've ever seen him and his wife's designs, they go all out with themed Disney rentals for their Orlando properties and in other places, other markets that they're hosting in. They do all these really intricate, detailed listings. And yeah, if they decided that they didn't want to have one of their properties in Orlando anymore and just wanted to resell it, maybe having a Frozen-themed bunk bed slide or an entire Spider-Man room would not be the best for resale value. But I don't see that argument. I really don't. Because what if the next person that they're selling the property to wants to do an Airbnb listing? The place is already completely ready to go for a themed-out rental. Same with my friend Julie and her spa-themed listing. You don't know what the next person's intentions are for buying. You know, somebody could decide, let's just remove short-term rentals completely from the equation. What if in your primary house right now, it had just very basic builder upgrades, white subway tile backsplash, you know, standard appliances, quartz kitchen countertops, but 
you really want to do a Spanish Mediterranean design. That is what your heart speaks to. But you're saying, I'm not going to do that because I want to protect this resale value. If I was the potential next buyer, Spanish Mediterranean is my favorite and I would go in and I would remodel it for that. That's the first thing I would do. So I'd be willing to pay more if you already did it that way. You just don't know who the next buyer is going to be. And I think that planning right now for this abstract future buyer that you don't even know who they are, what their style is going to be, what their preference is going to be, what they're planning to use the property for. I think that this is just too abstract. I would rather just focus on right now. If you have a really good concept that's going to serve your niche perfectly, just do it. Just do it. These are all... These are all just standard things that the next buyer can tear down if they want. And it really doesn't matter. You don't need to think this far in advance. And guess what? If you niche down amazingly right now and your place makes a killing, you're not even going to be thinking about resale value. You're not. You're going to keep it and you're going to be cash flowing off this as long as possible. So don't don't worry about that, Phil. It's a great question. But in my experience, all the hosts that I am following that have really niched down and done themed properties really well, this is not a concern that they have. So don't worry about it. If you've got an awesome concept, lean into it. Next question comes from Harry. Harry said, my wife and I are trying to decide if we should buy in the market where we want to retire or go to a more cash flowing market. Love this question. And unfortunately, Harry, I cannot answer this for you. What what are the differences that we're talking about here? Uh, Are we talking about barely breaking even on the property that you want to retire in or making 10k a month on the quote unquote, more cash flowing market. I don't know what numbers we're working with right now. Uh, If the market that you're planning on retiring in is possibly going to appreciate immensely, then maybe say screw cash flow and just get in right now if it's at a lower price and you see it going up and then you can get some equity in the home. But if it seems like maybe prices there will be kind of stable, maybe it's worth going to this more cash flowing market, make a ton of money over the next few decades. I also don't know how old you are and how long it is until you retire, but maybe it's worth going to the more cash flowing market, make a ton of money and profit off of that and then sell and buy your dream property when you're ready to retire. I really can't answer this for you. Uh, would love to book a consultation with you if you're interested and dive more into this. But I just would have to know how many more decades and years you have before you're retiring and what your goals are. I think it's great to be thinking about this stuff. I'm really happy to see that you are already planning that far ahead. And it's not just a question of making money right now, but buying property where you're ultimately going to be happy. But if it's another 30 years before you retire, Harry, I don't even know what if by then the market that you're currently thinking of retiring in, what if you've changed your mind and you guys decide you want to retire somewhere else by then? Uh, it's just it's just too hard to say. It's too big of a question right now. So I love that you're thinking about this. Love the question. Love the thought process going on here. But I would just need a lot more information before I could thoroughly help you out with this. So hit me up if you want to run through some questions and scenarios. Love this question. Love that you're thinking about this. said, how to decide if a monetary refund is warranted. I am never sure if guests are just fishing or it's legitimately justified. Uh, Tara, great question. I feel this in my bones. This question is the constant struggle. To trust the guest or to not trust the guest, that is the question. Let me tell you my approach to this. 
I like to take the guests at their word. That does not mean that if they complain that the place is dirty and ask me for a refund, I give them money back. That means if they tell me the place is dirty, I'm going to trust that the place is dirty. I like to take the guests at their word for what the complaint is. If they tell me that a coffee maker is broken, I want to believe them that a coffee maker is broken. And because that is my approach, I don't see how just sending them 40 bucks suddenly fixes a coffee maker. If they complain that the place wasn't clean, I don't see how refunding a cleaning fee suddenly makes the place clean. The complaint was cleanliness. And this person was willing to pay for a clean listing because they prepaid everything, knowing the cost of the cleaning fee. They were fine paying it. In my mind, they don't actually want money back. They just want what they thought was promised. They just want the listing clean. They just want to feel like the cleaning fee was worth it. So if somebody complains to me that the place is not clean, I do not offer any refunds. I'm not even having that conversation. My thought is, let's get the cleaner back in there. You complained about cleanliness. I'm taking your word at this. Let's get the cleaner back in there. And this is where you will start to figure out if the guest is just fishing or if it's legitimately justified. If you offer to send the cleaner back in and they start to say, oh, no, it's okay. I actually ended up cleaning it myself. Then I call bullshit. If it was not a big deal to where they could clean it themselves, then I call bullshit. If there's nothing you can do to fix the problem because they claim that they suddenly fixed it, then I don't see why I should suddenly start refunding money for that. Imagine if this were in a hotel and you got to your room and felt like it wasn't clean. Would you call the front desk and say, hey, I just want to complain that it's dirty, but I actually cleaned it already, so don't even worry about sending a housekeeper. I'm just letting you know. No, you would ask to switch rooms or you'd ask to send housekeeping in. You don't ask for, you don't, you don't call your hotel and ask for a discount. You don't just complain to tell them that there was a problem, but you took care of it. Why do people feel like they can do that in short-term rentals? Let's say that they do agree and they say, yes, please send the cleaner back in. To me, that is my first hint. Okay, they're serious. They're serious. They want the cleaner back in. They are serious that there was a cleanliness issue. And at that point, if I send the cleaner back in and the cleaner recleans and brings it up to their standard, at that point, I would be inclined to maybe give back some financial compensation just for the inconvenience of sending the cleaner back in. But that's an afterthought. They complained that the place wasn't clean. My job is to get the place clean. If I send them any money, that's just kind of a little bit of an afterthought. I don't like dealing with guests who have that as the expectation. Whatever you complain about, I'm going to take you at your word that that is your complaint. If you complain that the coffee maker is broken, I'm going to take your word for it and either ask my cleaner or a co-host to come drop off a brand new coffee maker or send someone in to try and fix this one and troubleshoot it. And if you have issues with that or say, hey, we actually just ended up fixing it, I'm not sending you money back. <laughs> I'm not. If there was nothing for me to fix, I'm not sending you money back. So I mentioned that if you were in a hotel and your room wasn't clean, you would call the front desk and either ask to change rooms or ask housekeeping to come. If the hotel then decided to give you something as a little apology for the inconvenience, I don't think that they would give you money back. I've stayed at many hotels in my lifetime. I've never had a hotel give me money back ever. Maybe that's happening out here. I've never experienced that. Instead, I'll have hotels give me a drink ticket and say, hey, go sit at the hotel bar. Here's a cocktail on us. Go tell the bartender whatever you want. It's on the house. Or get appetizers at the hotel restaurant comps. Or maybe get a discount on a future stay. I've never just gotten money back at a hotel. So if that's out here happening, you guys can feel free to correct me, but I don't think that that's something that's happening. 
I want to address the actual problem that the guest came to me with. If they are complaining that Wi-Fi is down, I don't see how giving them 50 bucks back fixes the issue of Wi-Fi. They wanted to pay for working Wi-Fi. They were willing to pay this price of the reservation, but for the things working. And if they're not working, it's my job to go fix them. Throwing money at it doesn't solve anything, in my opinion. Tara, to answer your question, you said, I'm never sure if guests are just fishing or it's legitimately justified. I think you need to just make a good faith effort to fix the problem that they actually complained to you about. And through that process, you'll see if they were willing to work with you on it, letting the cleaner come back in helping you out with getting the Wi-Fi back up and running, being cooperative about describing the issues with the coffee maker. If those things happen, I am more likely to fix the problem and then decide to give them a little something, tell them that they can go to dinner and send me their receipt after and I'll cover 20% of it. I'm more likely to do things like that. I like to kind of copy how hotels would do it. I'm more likely to work with you if I feel like you genuinely had a problem and allowed me to fix it. But if you're just going to complain that things are broken and when I make a good faith effort to fix them, you shut me down and tell me, oh, actually, please don't come. We want our privacy. Then I can't help you. And throwing money at it doesn't solve the problem. So that's that's the approach I like to take. I hope that helps. Last question comes from Sam. Love this question. Sam said, how do I become a guest on your podcast? Sam, I am always looking for podcast guests. I will tell you, I am very picky. I get a lot of inquiries and turn down more than I ever accept. If you want to be a guest on my podcast, here's what to do. Send an email to airbnbwithnatalie at gmail.com. And when you send it, please tell me the exact topic that you want to talk about. I do not like when people just come to me and say, oh, I could talk about co-hosting or arbitrage or financing or private money or which market to go to. I like having experts. I like subject matter experts. I like going to people for a certain topic and knowing that this is the best person I could have found to cover this. So please do the legwork and come to me and tell me what you can talk about. Don't just throw 15 topics at me and expect me to pick what I where where I want you. So please do the legwork on that. And also make sure that you are not proposing an episode or a topic that I've already covered. I get super frustrated when people bring up the same things that I've already talked about before. If you have a different spin on it or a different take or something kind of contrarian to a past guest I've had, I don't want to call out a previous guest, but I would love to hear a different perspective. So note that if you do want to cover a topic I've already talked about, that is totally fine, but just come at me with your own perspective. And lastly, do not be shy if you do not have a lot of followers or anything like that. I do not care at all about any of my guests' social clout whatsoever. If you have genuinely good content and an interesting perspective to offer, I would love to have you on as a guest. So thank you for that question, Sam. Um, like I said, just shoot an email to Airbnb with Natalie at gmail.com and I always read through submissions and I'm always looking for new guests. 